The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Megillah has been dedicated by our good friend Mr. Stephen and his wife Gila Israel, a charter member of our Daf Yomi Shi'ud, for the Hatzlacha of both sets of parents. And of course, their dear children. Hashem, Yishmerem, Vihayem, and Bezat Hashem, they should have continued success. Aslahav, Harvaha, Bechol, Maase, Yedehem. This Masechet also has been dedicated by Stephen and his wife, Le'ilun Nishmat Adel Bat Roza, and Le'ilun Nishmat Sarah Bat Adel. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Hen Vichol Benot Israel Ashavot Amahem Bichal Rahamim Vasilihot Venomar Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated anonymously in honor of Hilfon Ben Regina Malka and Mazal Bat Esther. Hashem Alehem Yahyu Amen. Daf Zayin. Today's daf is being studied. begin Today on Zayin Amud Rishon, and we are nine lines down. Amar Rav Shemuel Bar Yehuda Shalha Lahem Esther Lachachamim. Esther Malka sent a message to Lachachamim. <coughs> she tells us this was in the second year after the miracle. Kavauni Ladorot. He says, establish me as a holiday. That she says, Which means, she wanted the Hakamim to make Purim an official holiday that will be celebrated. So, they send back to her, You're going to, you're going to cause the other nations to... Be against us. Why? As she says, She yomeru ha'umot she'anu semechim lehazkir mapalatam. The Gwim are going to see that we're rejoicing in their downfall. In Farasu Madai, they're going to see that we're making a holiday to celebrate their downfall, so we're going to instigate them against us. So therefore, they said no. According to uh, some of the Mefarshim, the Ayun Yaakov says the instigation is, he writes, She'ahashashaya She's we might give the Guim some good ideas. When they read the Megillah they say they're gonna see about the beauty pageant that Hasvarosh took the Jewish woman, so they're gonna do the same. So that was the Kana'ah that the Hakamim were concerned about. So in any event, what happens? The Hakamim then come along and say, or Esther comes along and says, Shahalahim. So Esther says, it doesn't matter, I'm written already, which is in the history books of Madai and Paras, they know the story already. So the fact that we're documenting it and making a holiday, not going to change anything. 
the Goyim know about their downfall because it's already uh, it's in their it's in their own books. The sheet says Kevara Nikituba Vesham Yehudoin Mashayid Alaim Ayde Yisrael. So they can read it over there. So the Gaon Maharsha over here he says that we have a remez in Megillat Esther that this uh, conversation between Esther and the Hachamim took place. One pasuk says in Megillat Esther, "Vayichtov Mordechai et Devarim Ha'ele lekayim alehem liyot osim etyom arba asar." And that pasuk it does not say "Vinichtav Vasefer." Just says they kept a holiday, but it doesn't say "Vinichtav" that it was written. Smashma that in the first year they didn't accept upon themselves the Megillah per se because of the Kena factor. However, if you look at the subsequent Pesukim in the Megillah, the says the Maharsha says, "Vatichtov Esther Amalka Mordechai Yehudi lekayem itimah porim muamar Esther kiyan v'nichtav basefer." So you see, subsequently, once the Achimim gave their okay, their approval, so they documented it in the Sefer. Comes the Gemara and continues. Rav v'Rav Chanina v'Rabbi Yochanan v'Rav Habiba matnu bechula seder moed kol ki hayzuga, which means throughout seder moed you have these rabbis. These rabbis uh, would give hadushim. Uh, they would be it's a group. These are zugot. These are the pair of rabbis. Some take out Rabbi Yohanan from this group and they put in Rabbi Yonatan. In any event, what do these pair of rabbis say? Esther sent Write me for the generations. So it seems the first part she was saying meaning as a holiday. In the second things she asked for was what? Kadbuni Lidorot, I want Megillat Esther to become part of the Kitubim, which means part of the books of the Tanakh. Make Megillat Esther one of the holy books. Now we know we have 24 books of Tanakh. Megillat Esther is one of the books. But before it was uh, you know, included, she asked Kadbuni Lidorot. Shalhula. So they sent her, Halo katavti lecha shalishim. Shalomomelech has a pasuk. The pasuk says, I wrote for you shalishim. Shalishim velo rebe'im. Three and not four. What is this referring to? So according to Rashi, Rashi explains that there are three references in the Tanakh, in Torah Nevi'im I should say, about Amalek. We have a reference in uh, two in the Torah, one in Sefer Shemot, one in Sefer Devarim, but to talk about the destruction of Amalek, and we have one in the Navi. So Shilohu Melech says, I wrote for you Shilishim, that the subject of the destruction of Amalek is written three times. That we cannot write it again. You want to write Megillat Tastir, what is Megillat Tastir? Basically the story of the destruction of Haman, and the Zer, and the Gez of Amalek. So therefore, now we have a tradition from Shilohu Melech, Shilishim, three times you can write it, that's one interpretation. The Nidba has a different interpretation of this, the Rasha. The Nidba says, Shalom HaMelech wrote three books. What books did he write? He wrote Kohelet, he wrote Mishleh, and he wrote Shilashirim. So, and Shalom had other books as well. But those books didn't make it to the Tanakh. So Shalom HaMelech says, Only three of my books made it 
to the Tanakh, which means after that, you can't add any more books. So therefore, you can't add the Megillah Tastef. And even Shlomo Melech, only certain uh, books uh, made it to the uh, Tanakh. That's the advanced interpretation. So that's what the rabbi's claim was, why you can't put uh, uh, Megillah Tastef in the Tanakh. So what happened? Until they found a Pasuk to base it on. It says in the Torah, Ketov Zov Zikaron Basefer. This is talking about in the Parashav Amalek. So it says, Ketov Zot. When it says in the Pasuk Ketov Zot, Mash Katov Kar Ur Mishneh Torah. That's a reference, Ketov Zot, write, document the story of Amalek. That's referring to the two times that's written in the Torah. How do we see from the words Ketov Zot? That's referring to the Torah. Because we have a Pasuk that says, Vizot at Torah, Shirsam Moshe. So therefore, when it says Ketov Zot, that's referring to the two references of Amalek in the Torah. One in Sefer Shemot and one in Mishneh Torah. Ketov Zot Zikaron. What's the word Zikaron teach me? Mash Katub Nebiim. That's the reference of Amalek in the Navi. Basefer. So from the word Sefer, we have a word to come and include that you can include the Megillah still in the uh, Ketubim. So comes the Gemara and says, Actually, this is a Mahlouk Ketanaim. Ketov Zot, Mash Katuv Kan. Zikaron Mash Katuv Mishket Torah. Basefer Mash Katuv Benebiim. Tevre Rabbi Yoshua. Is a quote Rabbi Yoshua, he did not include Megillat Esther as one of the 24 books of Tanakh. Because mm-hmm. he learns the Pasuk Ketov Zot, that's Shemot. Zikaron Devarim. Basefer Navi. So there was no Pasuk to include Megillat Esther. Rabbi El Hazar Modai Omer, Ketov Zot, Mashkatuv Kan, Ub Mishneh Torah. Like we learned. Zikaron, Mashkatuv Nebiim, Basefer. So that's why our opinion that we include the Gilat Esther in the Ketubim is following Rabbi Al-Azhar Moda'i that's against Rabbi Yoshua. Amar of Yehuda. Amar Shemuel. A statement of Shemuel. Esther. Ena metamea etayadayin. New rule. If you remember we learned in Masechet Shabbat that Hachami made a Gezerah by a Sefer Torah that if somebody touches a Sefer Torah, they need to make Nitila Chadaim, which is a Sefer Torah is Metameta Yadaim. Why they make such a uh, law? Because in the olden days, they kept the Sefer Torah in the Hechal. That's always. But they used to take the bread of Terumah, and they used to also, or bread, they used to put it also in the Hechal with the Sefer Torah, next to the Sefer Torah. That was the custom. And what did they, because they wanted to pre- preserve it. So what, the, what was happening? The mice would come, and the mice would come and eat the bread. While they're eating the bread, what did they do to the Sefer Torah? They would also eat from the uh, parchment. So they was ruining the Sefer Torah. So the Hakamim came along and said, now Sefer Torah is metameh. Now they wouldn't want to put their bread over there, because now the bread is going to become tameh. So that uh, stopped them from that uh, practice. So the Hakamim said, all Ketve Kodesh are metameh. So Shemuel comes along and says, but not... Megidat Esther. Megidat Esther is not metameh etayadayim. So comes the Gemara and says, Lememra de Savar Shemuel Esther lad beruah hakodesh neemara. You must be told that he holds that it was not beruah hakodesh, meaning it's not one of the the the, the, the holy books. Ve'amos the Gemara said that's why it's not metameh yadayim. So it says Ve'amos Shemuel Esther beruah hakodesh neemara. 
So what do you mean? We know Shemuel himself said that the book of Esther was written in Ruach HaKodesh. And therefore it's written in Ruach HaKodesh, the Chaurat should be one of the books. If it's one of the books, therefore it should be Mitameta Yadayim. So it's a holy book. So Gemara says, no, no. Ne'emra likrot velo ne'emra likatef. Interesting. So the Ruach HaKodesh was what? That you should read it. But not that it should be written. <coughs> Which means like this. When we say Esther Ruach HaKodesh Neymarah, which means Hachamim, God from Ruach HaKodesh, that what you should read Megillat Esther, let's say, Ba'alpeh. But not that it should be written. And therefore, according to Shemuel, really he's following uh, an opinion that says Megillat Esther is not written. Adraba. So how did Shemuel celebrate the Purim and Sazak of this Gemara? They read Megillat Esther. How did they read Megillat Esther? Ba'alpeh. Therefore, if you write it, the book is not Kodesh. Means the tradition is to read Megillat Esther, but not to write Megillat Esther. So therefore, according to Shemuel, it's done Baal Peh. So the Gemara, so we're talking about Metibe. We have a question. The Bimiir Omer, the Bimiir says Kohelet Enometameta Yadaim. When it comes to the book of Kohelet, which is Shilomo Amelik's book, that's not Metameta Yadaim. Umachloket Bishir Shirim. When it comes to Shir Shirim, it's actually Machloket. Rabbi Yosei Omer, Shira Shiri, Metameta Yadam. It's not Shira Shiri, Beshoz Metameta Yadam. Umachloket, Mekohelet. So the exact opposite. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Kohelet, Mekule, Bet Shamayu, Mehomre, Bet Elel. He says, Kohelet, Bet Shamayu is lenient. Kohelet is not Metameta Yadam, and Bet Elel is Mahmir, that Kohelet is indeed Yemetameta Yadam. Aval, Rut, Beshira Shiri, Veester, Metameta Yadam. So you see clearly you have a Tanaic statement that says Esther is Metameh Yadayim. So how could Shemuelus and Amorah argue on a Tanaic statement that clearly says Esther is Metameh Yadayim? So the Gemara says, Who the Amar can be Yoshua? What do you want? Then we have a Tanah above that said, in the name of Rabbi Yoshua, that what? That Esther was not <coughs> included in the Tanakh. Then we say Ketov Zot is talking about Shemot. Zikaron is talking about Devarim. Basefer is talking about Nevi'im. So according to Rabbi Yoshua, there was not an extra pasuk for Megillat Esther. So Shemuel will hold like Rabbi Yoshua, and therefore Esther is not really a holy book in the sense that it's going to be Metameyadayim. Aye, so what do you do about Purim according to Rabbi Shemuel? You read it Ba'al Peh. Tosafot has a problem with that. Tosafot says later on in the Masechet, we're going to clearly re- see Mishtayot uh, that say, We're going to learn laws of how to write the Megillah, does it need, what, does it need Sibtut, does it need Gidim, and all the different laws like a Sifra Torah. So it's hard to say, where's Agwar, all these Mishtayot uh, later on, that you don't have to write a Megillah, uh, so you don't have to read it from a uh, parchment. So Tosafot comes out and wants to say, that all he means Shemuel is that Midrabanan nitna likatev, which means that when he said lo nitna likatev ruach kodesh, avam midrabanan nitna likatev v'leklot, which means you don't have a, let's say devre kabbalah stuff from the prophets. However, Midrabanan even Shemuel agrees that you write the Megillah down and you read it. That's Chita of Rashi. I'm sorry, that's Shav Tosafot. Rashi holds, according to Shemuel, you don't have to write it at all. <clears throat> so Rashi says, according to Shemuel, you read the Megillah, 
By heart, you didn't write it at all. And Purim, you read the whole Megillat by heart. So we have a fantastic Mahalot and Hashim Tosafot over here. To what extent Shemuel held that the Megillah is not written? According to Tosafot, of course you got to write it with the Banan, and you have to read. You just said it's not, it wasn't written by Ruach HaKodesh, <coughs> to the extent that it's going to be Metamei Yadayim. That, that was we said. But for sure you have to write it with the Banan in order to, to read it. And she says, no. She says, you don't write it, Bichlal. And therefore, you read it totally, Baalpeh. Now, there's a, uh, a third opinion. That's the opinion of, we did Rashi, Diritba. Diritba says that no, the Ikarta Kanab and Shekhanistikidola is to write it. And what? It was really written, Biruha Kodesh. Ella what? It's not Mitameyadayim. It's two separate laws. So it comes out according to the Nidbah, really according to Shemuel, Migilat Esther is a regular sefer that has to be written like all the other books of the Tanakh. Just when it came to Mitameyadayim, Shemuel held it's not Mitameyadayim. It's different in that sense. So that's the three-way Machloket. Again, I repeat, according to Rashi, totally Baal According to Tosafot, Midrabbanan, you have to read it from the sefer. According to the Nidbah, no. It's Mitakarat and Shekinist to get Olah. That you read it from the Sefer, it's just not mitameh yadayim. Comes the Gemara and says, Tanya, we have a brighta. Rabbi Shimon ben Menasya Omer, Kohelet, eno mitameh yadayim. The book of Kohelet is not mitameh yadayim. Mipene, Shechokmato, Shilomohi. Because that was, wasn't Ruach HaKodesh, that was just Shilomoh's own wisdom. Amrudo vechizu bilvad amar. So, you think Kohelet is the only wisdom of Shlomo? Vehalo kevan neemar vaydaber sheloshet alafim mashal. Shlomo spoke three thousand mashalim. Veomer al tosef al devarav. And the pasuk says, do not add on his words, which the Gemara is trying to say like this. Shlomo wrote so much. How come then we only have Kohelet? You think he only wrote Kohelet? He wrote 3,000 Mishalim. Elawad. The reason why Kohelet is special is because those are the ones that were Beruah HaKodesh. So you see what? The Kohelet indeed was written Beruah HaKodesh and therefore indeed it should be Metamei Yadayim. So the Gemara says, and then Pasuk is Al-Tosif meaning you cannot add to his words. My Ve'omer, what does it mean? What's the second Pasuk coming to teach? We don't add to Shalomo's words. Because maybe you'll tell me, yeah, Shlomo has many, many Mishadim and many Hadushim. Uh, which means that they're, they're all, you want to write him, you can write him, you don't want to write him, you don't have to write him. Which means, he just wrote down some of them, but you know, he didn't write down others. No. That what? You're not allowed to add to the ones that are written. Implying what? That the ones that are written are special. Because if you just had the first pasuk, I tell you, yeah, you wrote 3,000, and uh, some of them they wrote, some of them they write. No, al-tosif al-devarav, you can't add to the words. Why? Because he's a special. So therefore you see from this b'raita, according to Bishwam Menashe, that indeed Kohelet is written in the Ruach HaKodesh, and indeed it can be and will be mitameh etayadayim. Comes the Gemara and says, Tanya, Rabbi the Ayaz Romer, Esteb Ruach HaKodesh Neymar, now we're going to give proofs. How do you know Esteb was written in Ruach HaKodesh? What does Ruach HaKodesh mean? When Esteb wrote it, she has to have divine inspiration when she wrote it. How do you know that? So the Gibraltar is giving a few proofs. Number one, Shunei Imar, Bayomid Haman Belibo. 
You remember when Haman came to Hashverosh? Correct? And the king told uh, Haman, uh, listen, I want to pay somebody uh, back. I want to give somebody reward. So it says, Who does the king want to give more glory than me? How does the Megillah know that? How does the Megillah know? It must be that the one that wrote the Megillah, Mordechai and Esther, was that Ruach HaKodesh when they wrote it. So they're able to tell us what Mordechai was thinking in his heart. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Esther Ruach HaKodesh Neemar, Ash Neemar, Vati Esther Noset Chen Be'ayne Kol Ro'eha. The Pasuk says, Esther found favor in anybody that saw her. Uh, who knows that? Who can make such a statement like that? It must be Ruach HaKodesh. Rabbi Meir Omer, Esther Ruach HaKodesh Neemar, Ash Neemar, Ve'yivada'a Dabal Nemordechai. When Bigtam Batirish were plotting against the king to kill him, to kill the king. So it says, And Mordechai found out about it. How did Mordechai find out about it? And they must have found out about it because he had Ruach HaKodesh. So the Mepharshim of Ask, the Aharonim say, that just teaches me that Mordechai had Ruach HaKodesh. But how does it prove to me that Miginat Astim was written Ruach HaKodesh? He had Ruach Kodesh. He was able to figure out the, the plot of Mikdam That doesn't tell me the Megillah was written in Ruach Kodesh. That the Megillah itself was written in Ruach Kodesh. He had Ruach Kodesh. So there's a beautiful Yaharot um, Tevash over here. Explains beautifully. If you remember my Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the greatest prophet, he he wanted to minimize his prophecy when he wrote the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he wrote Sefer Vayikra, he wrote Vayikar. He left it out in Aleph. Because Vayikar shows that his prophecy was not on a high level. That's the way that God talks to the prophets of the Goyim. So Moshe didn't want to boast that he has a special relationship with the Kadosh Baruch Hu. Baruch Hu said, no, no, you must write the Aleph. So God made a compromise with Moshe. The Aleph of Vayikra was written small. So you see, the Derech of a humble prophet, he doesn't want to boast of his prophecies. Now, Mordechai is writing Megillat instead. You think he's going to write about himself? Where he's going to boast that I had Ruach HaKodesh? It must be, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Mordechai, write it. So therefore, the fact that the Pasuk is written, you see that what? Instead of Ruach HaKodesh, because Mordechai on his own would not have written that Pasuk. Comes the Gemara and continues, another proof. The Biyoseh Ben Durmaskit Omer, Esther Beruah Hakodesh Neemar, Ash Neemar, Ubabiza Lo Shalchot Yadam. It says when the Jewish people went to war against the uh, people of uh, their enemies, the uh, people of Shushan and the rest of the Goyim, it says nobody touched any spoils. Who can testify that? How does the writers of the Megillah know that maybe somebody in the far off land took some of the spoils? So from the fact that the Pasuk says Ubabiza Lo Shalchot Yadam must be was written Beruah Hakodesh, right? Amar Shemuel. So Shemuel says like this. Atam says, if I was there, meaning at this conversation of all these Tanaim, I would have gave an answer that's better than all of them. Shereemar, kiyemu vikibedu. Says the Pasu, kiyemu vikibedu. What does this mean? Kiyemu le ma'ala. Which means, HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his Bedin Shel Ma'ala accepted what they accepted down on earth in the Bedin, which is they accepted to make Purim, they accepted all the mitzvot, HaKadosh Baruch Hu also accepted it. So you see what? That the holiday in the Megillah that they wrote was already accepted in uh, which means it was done, it was done with the uh, approval of 
Takadosh Baruch Hu. So Shemuel says, if I was there, I would have given them a simple proof. Kibu v'kibelu, kibelu lemala, mashu kibelu lemata. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar Rabbah, lechulu itlehu pircha. All the interpretations that we gave, they all can be refuted. Levar medeshmuel velet lepircha. Except for Shemuel's interpretation, that is above refutation. Why? The Rabbi Yehazir, Rabbi Yehazir's ra'ya was what? Vayomer haman belibo. So the Gemara says, that's no proof. Sivarahu. Listen. When the king comes along and says, I want to give somebody reward, it's only obvious that Haman is thinking in his brain that it's him. Because there was nobody greater, closer to the king than him. So therefore the writers in the Megillah have a good Sivarah. Haman must have thought this in his heart that the king was talking about him. And all those things that he was including. Which means, hey, which means all those things that he was adding was for his own uh, glory because he wanted to uh, have the kavod. So therefore, that was not the Ruach HaKodesh necessarily. You could assume that Haman was saying all these things about himself. <coughs> Rabbi Akiva, that Rabbi she, she looked like a Persian, and she looked uh, Italian, and she looked uh, uh, Madai. Whatever, whatever nation looked at her, she had a look of that nation. And we know that every denomination is attracted to their own, to their own look. So then when it says, Because we know that she, the miracle of what? That Estin's look was universal. So therefore, the book was written in Ruach They had Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir's proof was Says how did Mordechai know about the plot of Bektav Bateri? She must have had Ruach HaKodesh So the Gemara says no Dilma Kirbi Chayavar Abad Amar Bektav Bateri Shene Tarshiyim Hayu Bektav Bateri were two people that spoke Tarshi language And Mordechai being a member of the Sanhedrin Knew all the languages including Tarshi so, because he overheard the conversation, and it wasn't Ruach Kodesh, he knew what Tarshi. So, you have no Ra'ayah that it was Ruach Kodesh. They had Rabbi Yosef bin Durmaskit. His Ra'ayah was what? That, that nobody touched the spoils. Well, how do you know that? It must be Ruach Kodesh told them. He says, no. Dilma Pristake Shadur. Maybe the far off places sent messages back to Shushan. To report to Mordechai in his and told them, we did the uh, you know, investigations, nobody took any of the spoils. So therefore it was done by an investigation, by Prestakeh, by the Shidihim. So they went to Ruach HaKodesh. Dishmuel vadai let le pircha. But Shmuel, for sure there is no pircha. Ki yimu lemala, mashik belu lemata. Now even though Tosafot does point out that there is a pircha against Shmuel. Because in another Gemara, in Gemara Shabbat, they use this Pasuk of Kiyimu V'Kibbelu to teach me a totally different Dirashah. 
So Tosfot says that's not called the Pircha. Pircha means that you're refuting his logic. You want to ask a stam question that the Pasuk is being used for something else? Okay, fine. But we're not refuting what he said. Meaning the, the logic of his proof is a solid, uh, solid proof. Whereas the other rabbis, we're refuting their, the logic of the proof is not accepted. Amar Avina, Avina said, inche. So it comes out, Shemuel was an Amora, his answer was better than the answer of the Tanaim. So he says, this is what the people say. One sharp pepper is better than a basket full of gourd, than a basket full of squash. And the squash, big. He says, if you have a basket full of squash, one little pepper is better. It's Shemuel, one little rabbi here, above the Tanaim, his answer uh, is better than all of them. Rabbi Yosef Amar Mehaka. Rabbi Yosef brings another proof. Very good. The Megillah predicts that the holiday of Purim will never cease to exist amongst the Yehudim. Well, only Ruach HaKodesh can predict that. Then Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzhak Omer Mehaka. Vizikram lo yasuk mizaram. The end of that pasuk says, and its memory will not cease to exist from their descendants. Mm-hmm. Now what does Abnachman want? I can mean like the first part of the pasuk. So Tosfor explains, because the first part of the pasuk says, Lo Yehudim, that's only referring to the generation of that generation. But when it says, Lo it's predicting even the future generations. So that's a greater prediction. So therefore, he chose that part of the pasuk. So we learned what? On Purim, you have to give... Matanot and Yurim, you have to give gifts to the uh, Anim. So comes the Gemara and says the following Tani Rav Yosef, Umishloach Manot Ishtani Ayu. We have a commandment in the Megillah, Midrabanan, to give Mishloach Manot. What is that? Shte Manot the Ishihad. Two foodstuffs to one person. Umishloach Manot. Ish nere'ayahu. So two manot to one person. Umatanot la'ibyonim. What's the obligation? Shete matanot l'shnei bere'adam. So you have to give one matana to one person and then another matana to another person. So shnei matanot l'shnei bere'adam. So it's for you. Mishloach manot is two items to one person. And matanot la'ibyonim is two items to two people. One and one. Okay? Now let's analyze for a second. The Mepharshim ask a question over here. One question I ask is, how come we don't make a berakhah on Mishloach Manot? Chaurat, Mitzvah, Adrabbanan. So before you give you Mishloach Manot, you say, Shekadeshan, Mitzvah, Sivanu, Bekayim, Mitzvah, Mishloach Manot. How come there's no berakhah? So the Orchot Raim says that the main reason why we're giving Mishloach Manot is what? In order to promote Ahava between man and his friend. And therefore we're concerned that you know, sometimes a person gives them a shtoach manot, maybe he gives it out of obligation. He doesn't like the guy. And therefore you're defeating the whole purpose of the mitzvah. So how could you make a barakah if you don't really like the guy? So therefore, they were not mitakit to make a barakah. Others explain based on the shitab the rashbah. The rashbah says that any mitzvah that's done with two people, you cannot make a barakah because maybe the guy's not going to accept it. For example, tzedakah. How come I don't make a barakah in tzedakah? Because I need the other guy. Sometimes you give tzedakah, the Ani says, well, you give me this, I'm not, uh, I don't want it. So now you made me, hey, hey, I made a berakhah batala, right? you have to take it now. So therefore, any berakhah that's made with two, that needs two people, you don't make. So the mishloach manot also. 
It needs to be. You need, you need to give her, you need the acceptor. So therefore, no beracha. Others explain the case of Mishneh that any mitzvah that's been Adam Lahavero, you don't make a beracha on it. Why? Because a mitzvah that's been Adam Lahavero, it's an ethical mitzvah and it's not noticeable that God commanded you. You can only make a beracha on a mitzvah that's evident that it's a shikindeshanu If a person is giving charity, it's not evident that God commanded you. You'd give charity anyway. It's, uh, it's a chesed. You're not let the guy stop. So therefore, he says, you only make berachot on mitzvot that are obvious, that are uh, the shem, uh, the mitzvah, uh, but the things that are beradam avero. No. Now the question is, why matan, mishloach manot you give two manot to one person, and matanot evdunim you give two, one to each. Which is, what's the logic in the... Uh, Quantity of the mitzvah. So the Ran says over here the following: When you're giving uh, to the evyonim, they have nothing. So to satisfy them, giving them one gift is enough. However, when you're giving mishlamah, who do you give mishlamah to? Usually, the guy that has. When you give a guy that has, so they have to throw hashir. To be substantial, you got to give him at least two. two. When you give a rich guy uh, one uh, one mane, well, what's one mane? One mane means me nothing to him. So to a poor guy, one mane is uh, wow, it's, 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 it's a lot of a lot of money for him. But she can uh, you give it to a rich guy, Mr. Hamer, like a fill even a rich man. What do you give him? One little uh, piece of uh, something? And they got to give him two because that's the uh, stature uh, of it. Okay. The Ritba tells us what's the shiur of Batanot Evyonim. He says, Afilu shte perutot. She's even a peruta, which is a minimum amount of money. The Hida uh, writes from a sefer called Zera Yaakov that you have to give enough money to the Ani that he's able to buy shalosh kabetzim of bread. Three kabetzim, that's a small, uh, you know, a small amount. Shalosh betzim, what's shalosh betzim? That's what, six ounces of bread? It's not a lot of uh, money. Okay, but that's the Hidaz uh, Shi'ur. That's what we hold on the Kalama said that at least each Ani should get three bitsim of bread. Comes the Gemara and says, Bottom line of the Gemara, Rabbi Udani Sia, Shadali Rabbi Osha'ya, Rabbi Udani Sia sent to Rabbi Osha'ya, Atmad de Iglat Tilta. Iglat Tilta is the third. Uh, born, the third calf born from the stomach, that's the most tasty. They call it Iglat Tilta. So he sent them the thigh, Atma, the thigh of the Iglat Tilta, Vigarbad de Hamra, and he sent them a barrel of wine. Apurim, Shalah le, so he sent back to him, Kiyamta Banu Rabbenu, Umishloa Marot Ishre Ayehu, Umatarot Evyonim. You fulfilled with us two mitzvot, Mishloa Marot, Umatarot Evyonim. Now, if you're going to follow this girsah, that two mitzvot were fulfilled over here, the interpretation is as follows. He sent them a lot of stuff. He sent them a big thigh of the animal, and he sent them a barrel of wine. So he told them, listen, with such a big item, Mishto Ahmanot already fulfilled. You would have fulfilled Mishto Ahmanot just with uh, much less than the thigh and the barrel of wine. So the, the extra could be credited towards Matarot Evyorim. And then he says, with this gift over here, you fulfilled two mitzvot. Because he was a Hani, it seems, a Moshaya. He says, you got your Mashloch Manot in there, and you got your Matarot Evyonim. Now, this fits with the word, Kiyamta Banu. Banu is plural. That implies that what? He's saying, for me, I got the Mashloch Manot. 
But for my family now, because he also has family, that was Anim. Mm-hmm. So you fulfilled Matarot Evunim, and you gave two Aniim two gifts. So therefore, he says the word Kiamta Banu. However, the Gaon the Vilna takes out the word Matarot Evunim. And that seems also from the top of the Shi, when he says Kiamta Banu Rabbeinu Mishlawa Ahmanot. So then the question is, what's the Hadush of the Gemara? He told me he sent two items. And uh, the Rabbi Oshaya sends back to him and says, oh, you should know, you fulfilled Mishloach uh, Manot. Of course, didn't we just say two matanot uh, to one person? So the Pri Hadash, he comes along and says, the Ketush is that you could fulfill Mishloach Manot with a beverage. That was the Ketush. Since when it says Manot, it doesn't have to be actually two food stuff. He sent them a barrel of wine. So the Rabbi Oshaya is saying, you're okay. You, you're the barrel of wine counts as a uh, as part of the Mitzvah Now we should point out that there is a totally different Girsa over here of Rabbeinu Hananel which we should read it just in order to know the story according to him So the story is based on Yerushalmi that Rabbeinu Hananel says So the story started off, he saw you fulfill Matarot Evyonim. Hadar Shalach Le Rabbi Yudah Eglat Tiltah Betlat Karbiyayin. Then he sent him another gift. He sent him Eglat Tiltah and three barrels of wine. Shalach Le Kiyam Tabanu Umishloh Manot Ishla Le'ayahu. Which means that according to Rabbi Yudah Eglat this story happened in two phases. First, he sent him Yerich Shalayin Shalishi. He sent him the thigh of the Eglat Tiltah and he told him a, a, a bottle of wine. So he told him, why? Because he explains like this. He says, "She lo ayi yakar be'inav mashishalach." He says, "I this is not a hashuv gift." He said, "I'm a little five an animal." Then it wasn't hashuv enough. So he said, "I this can count as matarot evyonim." Ve'lachin amar she lo nechshav matarot adam kamo, which means it seems to be within a siah. He has to send a gift according to his stature. I mean, the president of Kaiser, he can't send the, some jelly beans here. Yeah? So he comes along to Moshe and says, "All right, this item over here, Eglat Yerech. All right, you, you qualify for Matanot Evyonim, but it's not Mishloach Achmanot." So he sent him another one. He sent him a full Agla. So oh, now you fulfilled uh, Mishloach Achmanot. This, this is already and three uh, three bottles of wine. This is, oh, this is already according to Mishloach Achmanot. So that's according to Benu Hanes. According to Benu Hanes, that's why it makes sense. So it says Kiyam Tavanu Mishloach Achmanot Umatanot Evyonim because of the Gersah that he had. Comes the and says. Raba Shadar le Lemuri Bar Mor Biyad Abaye. So there was a rabbi Raba. He sent Mishloach Manot to Mori Bar Mor, but he didn't send it directly. He sent it Biyad Abaye through Abaye. Abaye was the Shaliyah. The whole question: How did Raba send Abaye? Abaye was a Kohen. You're not allowed to use a Kohen. That's the Parat Yosef asked this question. So there's two answers. One answer was is that Rabbah was also a Kohen. And therefore the Halakha says that a Kohen is able to use another Kohen. Or the interpretation is that it was his uh, Talmid. And since it was his Talmid, so you're allowed to uh, use... Uh, those are the two answers. Okay. So what did he send? taska de kashba, A basket full of kashba, that's Tebarim dates. Umale kasa and a cup full of Kimhad de Abshona. That's like dry roasted wheat. 
So Amalei Abayis, Abayis says, Hashta Amar Mori. Mori that's going to receive this Mishloach Manot, he's going to say the following, Abayis says, Iyak la'am malka. If the farmer becomes the king, does he not take off the uh, basket that's around his neck? Which means a farmer in the olden days, they used to walk around with a, uh, a basket around their neck to feed the animals. So when the farmer becomes the, the king, he changes his uh, clothes. Doesn't he, take, doesn't he take off the basket now? But he's trying to say that Rabah you're sending me this Abayi is going to say that Mori is going to say you're the king now you became the Rosh Hashiva you're still sending me uh, dates and stuff like this you're sending me like a farmer Jesus, now that you became the Rosh Hashiva you should send me something more uh, Hashuv what? the farmer becomes a king he's still he's got the basket around his neck feeding the animals he said what can I get to I expected to get something uh, more now Mori didn't say this this is Abayi telling Rabbi saying listen with this with, with this Mushlaq Manot He's going to tell you, you know, he expected something uh, more. So what happens? Hadar, Shadar le'ihu. So, so, so Abayi went and he delivered the Mishloch Manot. Now Mori says he wants to reciprocate. So Mori gives the Mishloch Manot to Abayi to give back to Rabah. So he sends him Malet Taskad de Sangabila. He sends him a basket full of uh, ginger. Umalet Kasad de Pilpalta. And a cup full of Pilpal. Pilpal is like the peppers. Arikha, the long peppers. Amar Abayeh, so Abayeh says, Hashta Amar Mor. You know, you know, you know what Rabbah is going to say now when he gets his Mishloach Manot? Ana Shadir Ileh Chulyah. I sent him sweet. Diyu Shadar Li Chulfah. And he sends me sharp. I sent him dates. I sent him this uh, Kemach, this dry roasted wheat. And as she says, it's always sweet. And he sends me back uh, Zengabila and the peppers. So that was Abayeh's uh, conversation that he went uh, back and forth. Comes the... Comes the Gemara and continues. The Mefarshim say over here that the reason why he sent him Zangabila and Pilpilta Arikha, he says, because Elu Devarim Shemu'adim Kola Guf. These items are very healthy. Like the Gemara says in Pesachim, Shekola Devarim Shemu'adim Devariut Mu'adim Bimkom Echad Umazikim Bimkom Achir Chutzme Zangabila Natuv Bimkom Aruf Shemu'adim Kola Guf. The Gemara Pesachim says, a lot of items that are healthy for one part of the body damage another part of the body. Except for two items that are good for the whole body. Zangabila and Pilpil Aruch, it's beneficial for the whole body. So therefore he sent them a Hashuv Matana. Amar Abayeh. Abayeh says, Kinathik min bemor. So when I left Rabbah's house, when I left the yeshiva of Rabbah, Hava Sabana. I was, I was hungry. I left hungry. Kimatai Latam. When I got to Mori, they brought me 60 plates of 60 different types of food. And I ate 60 pieces. I mean, I ate from each plate one portion. And the last dish that they gave me, they called it slikedar, meaning pot roast. And I wanted to chew on the on the plate. It was so delicious. I wanted to eat the plate. The Masha explains because in the olden days, sometimes they used to make the plate out of an edible food, like sugar or something like that. So he said it was so delicious. I I, I, I was chewing on the plate. This is what the people say. 
the poor man is hungry, velo yada, and he doesn't even know. Which means when he was by Ravaz's house, he was hungry, he didn't realize how hungry he was. When he got to Mori's house, he says, look how hungry I was, I ate 60 uh, different uh, pieces over here. He said, the, the poor man's hungry, and doesn't even recognize how hungry he is. In Amir, another statement is appropriate. Ravhala besima shchiyah. There's always room for dessert. Ravhala besima shchiyah. Which means, that's why he said, the last one, when they brought the pot roast, said, okay, he made room for it. He licked the plate. Says of People always can make room for dessert. Now, of course, there has to be depth of what's being said over here. I saw one of the interpretations that they explained that uh, this was talking about divrei Torah. We're not talking about regular food, which means when he was by Rabbi's house, he learned, but he didn't realize uh, how hungry he was. Meaning, how much more he was able to, to learn. So what the Mordechai says, they brought him sixty plates. The sixty plates refer to all the shas. Shishas Sidarim is the, the, the shas. So he ate and he did the last one. The same was Masichet Nida. And he learned it, uh, from the Had Masichtot. He says he enjoyed it so much that uh, he, he ate the whole plate up. So therefore he was talking about the, the, the subject of learning Torah by Mordechai's house. Next story. Abaye Bar Abin. Rav Harina Bar Abin. These are two brothers. Abaye Bar Abin and Rav Harina Bar Abin. What does this mean? They would exchange Saudot. Rashi. What does it mean exchange Saudot? Ze ochel imze bepurim shal shana zu. Ubashiniya suad haviro imo. Saudat purim. One year, one of them would eat by his brother. <coughs> and the next year, the brother would reciprocate and he would go to him. Uh, what is the Gemara coming to teach you over here? What's the, uh, what's the, yeah, but there has to be a, a, a halachic uh, principle that we're learning from this Gemara. Standard. Two brothers, they would alternate the one year from here and one year from over there. So, the Maharsha asked this question. So the Maharsha has a different interpretation. He said this was on the same Purim. It wasn't like that she said on two different Purims. And the Hadush over here is that that's how they fulfilled Mishloach Manot. She's first, one of the brothers would come eat by him. That was his Mishloach Manot, that the, the fellow that invited fulfilled Mishloach Manot. Then he would go to his brother so his brother could fulfill Mishloach Manot. So the Hadush, she can fulfill Mishloach Manot with the Sa'udah. That's according to Maharsha. The Darkim Moshe, he comes along and says, like this, the Hadush and Nashi is like this. The Hadush is that the one that ate by his brother did not fulfill Mishloach Manot. Because you might have thought that maybe Mishloach Manot, you can fulfill it. It's one Mitzvah, bottom line, the giver and the receiver. Maybe once you give and once you receive, both of them fulfill the Mitzvah. Kamash no. That what? That each one, the one who gives the Sa'udah fulfills the Mishloach Manot, but the one that receives it does not fulfill. So the Lusuf Nasi is that they have to still uh, fulfill it. Others explain that, that's the Hadushi uh, and Cheshim, he says a beautiful interpretation. He says, this cannot do with Mishloach Manot, this Gemara. This Gemara is coming to teach you another law. It says in the Gidat Esther, Mishpacha or Mishpacha, that all families would celebrate Purim. So we're learning over here, Dean, that when you make your Saudat Purim, you're supposed to have a Davka with your family. Where do you see this from? From the two brothers. These were two brothers. The Gemara says, it was One year, he would eat by his brother, and the other year, the brother would eat by him. So that she's giving you a Dean in Saudat Purim, nothing to do with Shlomo, that what? 
Mishpacha or Mishpacha, you have to celebrate Purim with your family. Comes the Gemara and says, Abba Rabba, Mechayev Inish, Lebesumi Bepuria, a person has to be happy on Purim, to drink on Purim, until he doesn't know the difference between Arur Haman and Baruch Mordechai. Now, many interpretations have been said. Uh, what does it mean? First of all, why do you have to drink on Purim? So one interpretation that Budaram says, because all the miracles of Purim happen through drinking. Hashverosh got drunk at the party, the first party, and then he killed Vashti. And then all the other parties that... Esther made with uh, Haman was all Mishtea Yayin. It was all done over Yayin. So therefore, since the miracle happened through Yayin, so maybe we commemorate uh, that. <coughs> Others explain, Sefer Sidra Yom, this is a beautiful explanation. In the times of Purim, we were practically dead. Which means, there was a Gizherah, So when a person drinks, and he falls to the floor, it's as if he's dead. And that was to commemorate the Gezerah Mitah that was on Claudius Yisrael. <coughs> the Hatam Sofer says a different interpretation. He says it's a din in Teshuvah. When a person commits a sin, he has to make Teshuvah. How do you make Teshuvah? You have to repeat the same variables in the same situation and overcome it. The Jewish people sin in the Taz Asferos was Asinehenu Misodatosh Lotor Asha. They went to the Seuda. But all made a party. The Jews went. They drank at the party. And then by the drinking, it caused them to make a sin. They were reveling by Hashverosh. So therefore, to make the tikkun for that, we have to drink on Purim, the Shem Shamayim. Instead, to fix the sin that we drank in the times of Hashverosh. Now, what does it mean, Adelo Yada ben Arur Aman Baruch Mordechai? This also has to be interpreted. So the Me'idi says over here that it's not only Arur Aman and Baruch Mordechai. But it's according to the way that Tosafot explains also the difference between Arura Zeresh and Berucha Esther. Arurim kol Shaim, Beruchim kol Yehudim. So you have to know, you're so drunk that you don't know the difference between all those things. Haman and Mordechai, Esther and Zeresh, the uh, Shaim and uh, Tzadikim. So that's his interpretation. According to the Rambam, he says now, what it means you don't know the difference means you drink enough when you fall asleep. Once a person falls asleep, he doesn't know the difference in anything. That's what it means he doesn't know the difference. That's the shita of Harambam. The Ben Yiruham says that Arur Haman is the exact same gematria as Baruch Mordechai. And therefore, you're drunk enough where you cannot make the hajmon. To make a gematria, you have to be alef, resh, vav. So you're so drunk where you cannot calculate Arur Haman and Baruch Mordechai, which really equals the same. The last interpretation will serve us from the Rashash. Rashad does an interesting pshat. He says in the olden days there used to be a song. The song was written, I'll say that Aleph Bed Gimal Dalid. Like we have some songs today on some Torah that are written in the Siddur Aleph Bed. So the song went, Arur Haman, that was the Aleph. Then you had Baruch Mordechai. Then there was a Gimal, then there was a Dalid. So Achelo bin Arur Haman, the Baruch Mordechai, I mean he can't sing the song. Because to go to Aleph to Taf, to remember all the verses, you have to, you have to have Seichel. So therefore, you're so drunk that you can't sing the, uh, the Arur Haman, uh, Baruch Mordechai song. Comes the Gemara continues. Rabbah and Rabbi Abdu Seudat Purim, Bahadeh Hadadeh. Rabbah and Rabbi Zerah, they made a Seudat Purim together. They spent Purim together. Ipsum. They got drunk. 
Kam Rabah Shachten Rabbi Zerah Rabah got up And he slaughtered Rabbi Zerah Lebachar Ba'ara Hameh Ba'chia So the next day he prayed And he revived them He made a miracle The next year Amar Leh so Rabbi tells Rabbi Zira, "Niti more than Abi Shodat Purim by the Adadi. Come, let's make Purim again." Amar le, lo bechol shachta v'shatam entrechash nisa. Listen, not every year miracles going to happen. Last year we got uh, we got saved. Now we need to understand over here what does it mean? Kam Rabbi v'shachten Rabbi Zira. So the Maharsha explains over here that he forced him to drink. More than his normal uh, drinking. He kept on giving him to drink until he became very sick and he went uh, almost to die. So, because where do you drink from? You drink from your throat. So, it's like he was slaughtering him. He kept on putting uh, wine down his throat. So, it says, that he almost caused him to die and then he prayed for him and he made him better. That's the, the one. The Ya'bet says a novel interpretation over however. Ya'bet says that this was based on a Gemara in Berachot. What do you mean? Gemara Berachot says that one of the rabbis, when he used to go to the weddings, he saw the people being very happy. So what did he do? He used to take a glass and break it in order to make everybody serious. He didn't want them to lose themselves. So it seems Rabbah and the Bizarra were together at the Subhat Purim. Rabbah saw all the people around enjoying themselves, overly happy, whatever it was, maybe, you know, uh, too much. So he wanted to make them serious. So the Ya'bet says, through Ahizat Ainaim, through, uh, I guess, Kabbalah, he said a certain shem that looked like Rabbi Zera died. He didn't die. So meaning Ba'izat Ainaim, with a trick. Everybody saw that. Oh, Rabbi Zerah is dead. So they got, they got serious. After they got serious, so then he uh, revived them. So it was just to uh, give them. But still, uh, Rabbi Zerah the next year said, no, not every year uh, have a miracle like this. And therefore he did not want to come. That's two ways, or a couple of ways of explaining the story. Kabbalah Gibran says, Rabbeinu Ephraim says, over it's important Rabbeinu Ephraim Shittai. So why is the Gibran bringing this story over here? Because he wants to say that the Gemara over here is rejecting what Rabbah said. Rabbah said, You have to get drunk on Purim. Now the Gemara says, No, you're not supposed to get drunk. Because look what happens when you get drunk. So according to Rabbi Ephraim, it's a mahlukin in the Gemara, if really getting drunk is permissible or not. That's why the Gemara brings the story right away to tell you, No, you're not supposed to get drunk. Okay? Come to Gemara and says... <coughs> Okay, so that Purim that you ate at night, you do not fulfill the obligation. What's the reason? Meaning the has to be done when? By day. Rav was sitting in front of Amemor. Okay, in the Shur. Naga velo atur banan. So he's waiting for the uh, rabbis to come. The rabbis were late. They didn't come to the shiur. Which is, it, was, it was Yom Purim. Okay? Amimor's in the Bet Midrash. Amimor's waiting. Where's all the Tamidim? The Rashi was the only one that showed up. Amar there. My Tamalu Atir Banan. Where are the rabbis today? How come the Yachamim are not coming to the uh, yeshiva? Okay. Right? Amar there. So the Rashi tells him, Dilma Tridi Bishodat Purim. I don't know. Maybe they have Bishodat Purim. So Amar Leh, Vedoah, Ba'i, Efshal, Mechleh, Ba'urta. So Amar Moses, why wanted to have it last night? They don't have Yeshiva, they should have to sew that Purim last night. Amar Leh, Lo Shamiya, Lelemur, Hadamar, Rabah, Sew that Purim, Shaklam, Balal, Lo Yatsayde, Chobato. 
What do you mean, Rabbi? Didn't you hear Rabbi said that you cannot have the Shabbat Purim at night? If you have it at night, you're not, you'll see it at the door. Amar So he tells him. We read Hagotah Masot Shas. He says, Lo Shami Ali. He says, No. I never heard that statement. So the Gemara concludes and says, Tana Mine Arba'in Zimnim. Amemor reviewed that statement 40 times. Sa'udat Purim Shachala Balayla. Lo Yatsay De Amato. He reviewed it so many times, it was like he put it in his pocket. So he pocketed it, which is he knew it so clear. Because it was Halakha, he didn't know. So he didn't want to forget it. So he reviewed it 40 times on the spot in order to get the, uh, the proper interpretation. Mishnah continues. And ben yom tov le Shabbat, ela ochen nefesh bilvad. So Mishnah teaches us that the only difference between Yom Tov and Shabbat is the rule of Ochen Nefesh, which means on Yom Tov you're allowed to cook food, whereas on Shabbat you're not allowed. Now it should be pointed out that the Mishnah obviously is only discussing things that are mutar on Yom Tov, that are asur on Shabbat, but there are obviously differences between Shabbat and Yom Tov, li'ayyan onashim, li'ayyan the punishments, meaning Shabbat, the punishment is sikila, whereas on Yom Tov, the punishment is alav, which means you get a lot ta'aseh. So obviously there's differences regarding the punishments, but our Mishnah is only discussing the anyane isur veheter. Comes the Gemara and says, However, regarding what's called which means things that are preparatory items for the Saudah, it seems that Shabbat and Yom Tov would be equal. What's a preparatory item? For example, sharpening the knife. Means <coughs> the Ochelifit itself is preparing the food. But you need the knife in order to cut the food and prepare the food. So sharpening the knife would be considered a makshir ochel nefesh. So it's masma from the Mishnah that makshire ochel nefesh, just like it's asur on Shabbat, would be asur as well on Yom Tov. Because the only difference we're saying is the ochel nefesh itself, the actual cooking of the food. But the preparations, that's called the makshirim, the chaurah, would be asur. So the Gemara says, matnitin de lo our Mishnah is not following the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Detanya, because we have a Baraita. And Ben Yom Tov the Shabbat, Ela Ochen Nefesh. Rabbi Yehuda Matir, Af Machshire Ochen Nefesh. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda says that not only is Ochen Nefesh mutar on Yom Tov, but even what's called Machshire Ochen Nefesh is also permissible. My Tamad Tanakama, what's the reason of Tanakama that he's Osir? Amar Kera, who? Pasuk says, "Who lebado yaselachem?" So, who this? Meaning what? Ochenefes velo machshirav. Me who only the actual preparation of the food itself, but not the machshirim. Rebiuda, what is rebiuda old? Amar kera. The pasuk says, "Lachem." Says, "Who lebado yaselachem?" So, he's doresh on the word lachem lecho sorchechem for all your needs. She's not only the actual preparation of the food itself, but even machshirim. So again, hakamim adoresh of the word who, which is minimizing, whereas the biudas adoresh of the word lachem, which is inclusive. The idach name akentiv lachem. Oh, what do the rabbis do with the inclusive word? Lachem. So they come along and say, no, they say it's coming to me ma'ayat. Lachem velo le'ovdeh kokavim. It's coming to tell me that you're only allowed to prepare food on Yom Tov for yourselves, for the Jews, however, not for goyim. Lachem 
ולא לכלבים. Further one, you cannot prepare food on Yom Tov for the dogs. That's how Hakamim learned the word Lachem. Ve'idach nameh, oh, kotre bi'uda, what does he do? Haketiv, who? Uh, what does it do with the word who? Because we learn from the word who, it says who velo makshirav. So what does the Mi'udah do with the word who? So he says like this, ketiv hu, uktiv lachem. But you have an exclusionary word and you have an inclusive word, according to the Mi'udah. The who is coming to exclude. Right? Who velo something else. Lachem is coming to say lechosuchichem. So make up your mind. How do you have an inclusion and an exclusion? So he says, Kame makshirim she'efshal la'asotam me'erev yom tov. Kame makshirim she'efshal la'asotam me'erev yom tov. It depends what type of makshirim. Which means, let's say you have a, a, a certain preparatory item that you could have done from before the holiday. Let's say the knife was pagum, the knife was blunt before the holiday. So therefore you could have sharpened it before the holiday. That's a makshir that you could have done before. So therefore, such a type of makshir is going to be asur. That's what the person was coming to tell me. Who velo makshiraf? Which is a makshir that you could have done from before. You're not allowed to do it on Yom Tov. But let's say the knife became pagum on Yom Tov itself. I couldn't have done it before. It just became pagum. That's a makshir she'ev shalas to be Yom Tov. That's what the word lachem is coming to tell me. Lachem nechos orchechem. So therefore, according to the Biyuda, he makes a look between makshire ochenefesh that were able to make before Yom Tov. That's asur to do on Yom Tov. However, on Yom Tov itself, if it happened, it would be. Permissible. It should be pointed out, Tosfot does point out over here, that even certain cooking on Yom Tov, if it could have been done, could have been done before Yom Tov, is only mutar before Yom Tov. Specifically types of cooking that it's better if it was done yesterday, than everybody not allowed to do it on Yom Tov itself. But food, that if you would cook it yesterday, would become spoiled, or not as good. If you wait a day later to eat it, then already it's permissible to cook it on Yom Tov itself. So even in the Ochel Nefesh itself, there are different rules what you're allowed to cook and what you're not allowed to cook as well. Comes the next Mishnah. And Ben Shabbat, Yom Kippurim, there's no difference between Shabbat and Kippur. Which means, if a person is Mechalel Shabbat Bezadon, meaning Bemezid, his punishment is Bide Adam. What's Bide Adam? He gets Sikila. He gets stoning. That's Mitad Bedin. However, a person is Mechalel Yom Kippurim, Bemezid, so his punishment is Karet. So the only difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov is the punishment. This is Karet, this is Sikila, this is Karet. Comes the Gemaran says, However, regarding payments, both are the same. What is payments? So the Gemaran is going to explain. What are you talking about payments? So the Gemaran says, Mani Matitin. Who's the author of our Mishnah? Rabbi Nehunya ben Akanah. The Tanya Rabbi Nehunya ben Akanah. Yaoseh et Yom Kippurim keShabbat leTashlumin, which is regarding payments. Shabbat and Kippur are equal, meaning Ma Shabbat mitchayev benafsho, upatur leTashlumin. Af Yom Kippurim mitchayev benafsho, upatur leTashlumin, which means we have like this. We have a rule that says if let's say somebody goes on Shabbat. And he lights up his friend's gadish. He takes a fire and he burns his friend's field. So now the Chaura, the guy did two things of it. Number one, he made a Yisur Havara. So the Yisur Havara is punishable by Sikira. But at the same time, there's a monetary situation where he has to pay back his friend because he uh, ruined his field. So we have a rule that says, Eno met umishalem. You don't get two punishments. The rule is, You give the person the most serious punishment. And if, since he's getting sikila, he's off the hook when it comes to the payment. Okay, so it says, he doesn't have to do tashlumin. So now that's why, because you're getting a sikila. 
So the Hadus of Rabbi Nehonya ben Akana is that a karet, even though it's not a mitah bide adam, that's considered enough of a punishment to get him off the hook from paying. And if somebody goes on Yom Kippur and lights his friend's field up, so he's also going to be off the hook from paying. Why? Because the karet is considered like a mitah, in the sense that it would not be mishalem. Let's read this in Nashi. Nashi says, Af yom kipurim mitayev benavshod di isur karet kimitat bedin dami ufturim elashalem imedlin kadisho shul haverob yom kipurim. But he lit his friends uh, stack on kipur. She'en tashlumin etzel hayuv mitash shne emar velo ye ason anosh yanish. She so long as there's no ason, there's no let's say death, then already you have to pay. Ha'im ye ason. But if there is death, we have to pay. If the if the, uh, if the criminal is going to get mitah, lo yanish. Okay, so now for the author of our Mishnah is Rabbi Nehunya ben Akana. Comes again when I continues. Tananatam, we have a Mishnah. Kol hibe kiritut shelaku niftaru mide niftaru mide kiritatan, which we have our law. If let's say a person was doing something that's Yisur Karet, and the witnesses warned him, and they told him, listen, if you do this Yisur over you're going to get Malkut. But they didn't want him for the Karet, they warned him for Malkut. So it says, and they gave him Malkut, the Malkut can exempt him from the Karet. This is referring to a person that made a sin, the pursuit of Vinikla Haika Lehinecha, Kevan Shilaka, Hareuka Haika. So the Gemara is making a play on the words Vinikla, like it says Vinilka, which means once the guy who's Hayafkari gets Malkut, so already he's like your brother again, which means he's out of the parasha of Karet Divre, Rabbi Hananya. Ben so that's the opinion of Rahanya Ben Gamliel. It's a very important uh, explanation over here. That what? Hayuv karet can be exonerated if the person got Malkut. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar Yohanan, Halukin Alav Haverav. Which means uh, the friends of the rabbi of Rabbi Hanan Ben Gamliel argue on him. Which means Achim argue. They say no. A uh, karet can only be exonerated by karet. A malkut cannot take off a karet. Halukin alav haverav. Al, rav haranyam ben gamliel. Amar amri be rav. Tanina, we learned in the Mishnah, in ben yom kibirim l'shabbat, ela shezezedono bidei adam, vezezedono bi karet. Because we have a proof from our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said what? That the only difference between Shabbat and Kippur is that on Shabbat the punishment is Bide Adam, whereas on Yom Kippur the punishment is what? Bide Shabbat Vimita. And if Rabbi Hananya ben Gamliel is right, Edi Vidi Bide Adam, he. Both of them should be Bide Adam. Because didn't Rabbi Hananya ben Gamliel say that even Kippur, if you, which is a karet item, if you get Malkut, you're exonerated from your karet. So that technically they're both. Punishable be there, Adam. So the Mishnah is a question against Avhananya ben Gamliel. You understand? Because the Mishnah says that this is Shabbat is be there, Adam, and Kippur is be there, Shamaim. It's not so. According to Avhananya ben Gamliel, even Kippur can be be there, Adam. So Amar of Nachman, Hamanir, Bishaki. You bring your ayah from the Mishnah. Question the Mishnah. The Mishnah is following the opinion of Rabbi Yitzchak. The Amar, Malkut Bihibe Kiritut Leka. Yeah, he's the opinion that says that there's no Malkut Bihibe Kiritut. Which is if they want of Malkut, doesn't matter. The only way you get off the hook is what? Is by Karet. 
And therefore, I'll tell you the Mishnah is following Shitat Rabbi Yitzchak. Netanya, because we have a Braita. What does the Braita say? Rabbi Yitzchak Omer, Hibe Kiritut Bechlal Hayu. The Parasha Haremot, when it talks about the punishment for the Arayot, over there lists all the different illicit relationships that are forbidden. So it says over there, any of these Isurim is punishable by Karet. And then it comes along and says that if a person, Hasbun Shalom, uh, commits an illicit relationship with his sister, so it's also Karet. So the question is, what do you mean? You told me already above that all the Isurim are Karet. Why did the Torah have to specify that Ahoto is Karet? The Chaurat's included in all the... The other is Sunim. So it says, Velama yatsat karet ba'achoto. Why did the Torah go out and repeat the Isud karet by achoto? So it says, Laduna be karet velo be malkut. They come and tell me, Tavka karet anat malkut. She's the repetition of karet by achoto tells me that dafka all these items are punishable by karet and you cannot get off the hook by a malkut so again what's the mitzhak's ra'ayah that karet is dafka velo malkut his ra'ayah is what? his ra'ayah is from the repetition of achoto when it says karet let's read rashi kol hibe kinitut shel arayot hayu bechlal v'nechretu ha'nefashot ha'osot the pasuk says v'nechretu ha'nefashot ha'osot shekatu b'parashat arayot lama yatsat karet b'achoto dekhtim b'ktoshim tiyu v'ish ki yikach et achoto ladunah b'karet v'lo b'malkut imetru b'hen even if they warn them for malkut therefore doesn't matter you're still going to get karet but she has a question the law of Nida was also repeated which means Nida is also an Arayot and it says in Parashat Haremot that all the Arayot are what? Karet then in Parashat Kedoshim it also repeats Nida and tells me that what? It's Karet so why don't you ask the same question Nida is also repetition so that she says so it's coming to tell me Hadush that not only if a person has regular relationships with a Nida but even Ha'ara'a Ha'ara'a means even if he did the, the, the Eva did not Go in completely, even if it was just ha'ara'a. She says, even if it went impartially, that's still considered isul karet. So that's why it's hadush. That's what it's coming. No, no, for, 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 the, for the nida, to have isul awat, even by the ha'ara'a, it's going to be asul. So that's why we needed to repeat it for the hadush sheba. Mashaykh and ahoto, what are you telling me? It says karet, karet. You didn't add anything. You're adding to me by ahoto to tell me that what? Karet, velo, that's shita of. So therefore, I say, who's the author of our Mishnah that says, "Em ben Yom Kippurim l'Shabbat Ela"? She says, "Zdoro b'Adam v'Zdoro b'Hikaret." It's a mishak. So the Gemara says, "V'Rav Asher Amar Afidu Temar Abbanan." I can even tell you that it's going like the Rabbi's opinion. They hold what that Malkut, that Malkut can exonerate a karet. Oh, so how can you learn the Mishnah? The Mishnah is discussing the primary punishment. She's the primary punishment of Shabbat is what? And the primary punishment of Kippur is what? Karet. That doesn't mean to say that if a person got Malkut, uh, uh, that he would not exonerate. And like the Mishnah is just discussing the Ikar. Look at the bottom Nashi. Which means, comes out according to this, when you, when Rav Nachman said above, Halukin Alav Haverav, I was quoting our Mishnah, which is Rav Hananya ben Gamliel comes along and says, what? 
that you can, if you get Malkut, it covers the Karet. So Rav Nachman said about Haluki, said Haluki Ma'arav Haderav, which we thought that was the Mishnah. That the Mishnah is arguing that, because the Mishnah says clearly that Kippur is Tafka Bideh Shabayim. Comes the Mishnah says, no, you have no Raya. I can really tell you the rabbis of the Mishnah agree that you can have a Malkut uh, for a Karet. Oh, so why does the Mishnah say, Shazeh Hayyuvo Bideh Shabayim? It Ikar Hayyuvo Bideh Shabayim. And in Echadami, if you warn them for a Malkut, and you got Malkut in Echadami, he will be exonerated. So therefore the Mishnah is not arguing on the... Okay, so we have two ways to learn the Mishnah. Either the Mishnah is going to be its Haq, that says that there's no Malkut in a place of Karet because of the repetition of Karet by Ahoto. Or I can say, no, Mishnah, if you go like the Hakami, and the Hakami will agree that Malkut covers the karet. Ela what? We start discussing the ikar punishment by each one. Amen, amen.